0: Hello and welcome to the Being Animal podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Lebovich, Midwestern Jewish priestess, herbalist, dancer, teacher, and all around lover of animals and an animal myself. And I was planning and had every intention to release an episode on Wednesday as per my original intention. And the wildest thing the wildest experience of being animal came up in my own life and rather threw a wrench in that plan so I'm gonna roll with it adapt to it and embrace it and instead chat about this experience as our podcast episode today rather than getting into the juicy details that I had thought about talking about today um What a journey it has been. So, as some of you may know, um, Esperanza's Acres is located in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, we basically bought this really, really, really old farmhouse. It was built in 1890, and it was built on Ho-Chunk land as part of the original colonization of the Middleton area of Wisconsin, and since then has served many historical you know air quotes um, purposes, but it was a very prominent stop on the Underground Railroad. It was one of the founding houses for the city of Middleton, and it sits on Century Avenue, which is a really, really old street in the Madison area around a bunch of other really really old historic homes and purchasing this house honestly was such a journey I'm sure many of you who are around our age or even have dreams of the future purchasing a home are watching the housing crisis and rent prices go up astronomically high and it just seems so incredibly unattainable um And that's how it felt when we were buying a house. We had a really decent budget and went from house to house trying to find somebody that would take our offer. And I think we put offers in on maybe 10 houses, which I know a lot of folks who put offers in on like 100 houses before they found theirs. Um, So we still consider ourselves lucky. But uh, yeah, we were told, you know, you have to go in over asking, you have to go in and waive the inspection, you have to waive the appraisal, which is all really scary stuff. And when we saw this house and it had been sitting on the market for a while, it was really old and we knew that we were going to have to put an offering on it because we loved it. But there was absolutely no way that we were going to be able to waive anything because with a house from 1890, you, if you waive the inspection and let's say the foundation is completely off, like there's just no way we would have been able to afford to fix that. So after a long, long struggle rotating through realtors, we finally bought this property and it was extremely exciting. I mean, literally unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable that this goal was accomplished and part of the reason that we decided to purchase a home was for our dogs obviously we wanted a fenced-in property we wanted to get a second dog for Esperanza so that she could run and play with a friend and we also really wanted to grow our business Esperanza's Acres and start farming. You know, I had spent so many years doing landscape architecture and doing gardening work and studying farming and getting my master's in environmental justice that it was time to return to the land in a really big way. And so in purchasing this home, we wrote a letter to the seller, which has since then become kind of like a vow for our property or our relationship with the land that is essentially based in the idea that we will restore relationship with this land and that is a very holy task um it's extremely important to remember that this land has been through so much including the genocide of indigenous folks the the ho-chunk folks who lived here for thousands of years and has seen the impacts of slavery, has seen the impacts of biological colonization, which is what we call invasive species here at Esperanza's Acres. And to touch on that aspect a little bit more, um, when we looked at the land, we knew that we were going to be kind of in for a struggle with biological colonization or the removal of invasive species. And we say biological colonization because we know that a lot of these plants come from ornamental gardens, right? We know that a lot of these plants were brought in to appease the diet, lifestyle, or aesthetic of colonizers that came to this land, With the intention of malice, of removing indigenous folks who live and have ancestry and are a part of this land. So as I look out of my window right now and the inspiration for this podcast, I see tons of virginia creeper i see tons of golden archangel tons of creeping charlie and creeping bellflower and so much turf grass and my goal is to remove these right we see lots of buckthorn and sumac too and there's just so much that is showing up as a legacy of colonization on this land that needs to be reckoned with in order to even consider beginning our journey as relationship with this land and gaining traction as an herbalist and a small business on this land. And so that's been my journey this summer. I've been pulling up weeds, which is a very, very blunt way of saying I've spent hours and hours on my hands and knees, raking up golden archangel, Virginia creeper, burdock, sorry, buckthorn, and sumac, and trying to rip up turf grass with my hands. And it's been an extremely humbling process. It's been a glorious journey and reminder as to why death can bring about rebirth. And it's important that the emphasis, the agency is not even necessarily on the plants, right? I think a lot of people hate on invasive species. They say, Oh, I hate this plant. This plant is so evil, but the plant is the symptom, right? The plant is the symptom of this colonization that happened. It's a reminder of the incessant force of colonial powers that still exist today. And we've had quite the journey with that in our own city of Middleton. And we wrote a whole blog post about this. We posted about this on Instagram. But I just want to chat about it again because it's truly astounding to me. Um, But, you know, I do a lot of Esperanza's Acres work from home on my computer. And so I was sitting at my computer one day in meditation before truly beginning And I had this thought, look behind you, look behind you, look out the window, look behind you. There's someone there. And when I turned, sure enough, there was a city of Middleton car parked right outside our property. And I just knew that something was up. I knew they were going to come and say something about our yard, our property so I got up out of my chair and I ran to the door and I caught the city official who was trying to leave a city ordinance notice on my door without talking to us. And I threw open the door like already enraged, right? And said, hi, my name is Rachel. Um, what's this? What, what can I help you with? And the city official said, oh, well, you're in violation of city ordinances that say turf grass can only be eight inches long. And I remember like almost wanting to laugh, right? Like that's just hilarious. So I sit there for a minute and I'm like, okay, well, we're restoring our land, right? We're trying to reincorporate native prairie species and we didn't even know what was here we didn't know what was here until we saw it grow and thank god that we did because we saw so many native plants absolutely flourish yes we saw the quote-unquote invasive species the signs of this biological colonization grow but we also saw mother boneset and catnip and so many sunflowers and beautiful eastern daisy fleabane we saw so much motherwort grow and so much solomon seal columbine elderberry truly like incredible we saw so many baby trees lots of kentucky coffee tree lots of green ash and that's all because we didn't mow. Had we mowed, we probably, especially for the trees, would have never known these plants or even here. Which obviously would not be a great way to start relationship with this land, not even knowing who is here before us. And this city official looks at me and says, oh, uh, well, if that's what you're going for, um, your native prairie has to be registered with the city. So I'm like, all right, all right, you know, like bureaucracy, what do you need me to do to register our property as native prairie? And this person looks at me and says, oh, well, you can't have any turf grass. You can't have any turf grass for it to be registered as a native prairie. And my heart broke. (laughs) My heart broke for so many reasons, right? For so many reasons. But the biggest part is I don't want the freaking turf grass. I don't want it. I don't want anyone to want it. The idea of this purest manicured lawn, this ornamental garden that serves no purpose other than aesthetic, is really, really rooted in this colonization of this land. Turf grass was not supposed to be here. This was never the intention for this land. This land is meant to be forested and prairie and creating medicines and creating food. And this is also a very big part of our Jewish spirituality, right? We are a diasporic people, but we're on this land. We steward every land that we appear to. We are absolutely in relationship with our indigenous siblings who live on this land as well and who have lived on this land for so long before us. And that's a holy union. That's a holy charge. So I was heartbroken and I was fired up (laughs) and I looked at this city official and I said, well, are you going to be the one to rip out all of my turf grass and lay down native grass species or is that somebody else in the city's office who do i call at the city to rip out all of our grass cuz i'll have them do that for free you know if you if you would like to be our guest and rip out rip out all of our grass for free that's that's fine with me but it sounds like what you're telling me, the difference between an unmowed lawn and some type of native prairie that meets your city standards. The difference between those two seems to be class. As if one who can afford to quickly transition their land by paying someone to get a sod remover, to remove all of their sod, to increase the native plant species by adding in lots of native species with seed mats and reseeding the land is the only one who's able to do this prairie transition. Whereas an unmowed lawn is simply unsightly. And is simply poor and the city official of course is like oh, oh i'm i'm not the bad guy here i'm just the messenger you know like oh i don't know even though his name was on the ordinance and he's the one who decides if someone is going to come and mow our property Eventually, we came to an agreement that we would just mow the area between the city street, Century Avenue, and our sidewalk outside our house. Of course, I had to push back to save our sunflowers on that street, but they're still there. So this reminder of fighting for this land in honestly a small way compared to those who have fought for it before was really invigorating (laughs) and once again a call to return to this land. So I spent the day yesterday in my garden really taking time to see what was there again. Right, renew this relationship now that we're in September we're looking at our fall planting because right? native seeds are planted in around October in the Midwest so they can have a nice long winter and then be birthed anew in the spring and I found so much ragweed which had been absolutely plaguing my partner and so I was so frustrated and upset. I ripped all of this ragweed up and I put it in our bin, our compost. And as I was ripping it up, I got a bunch of Virginia stick seed stuck to my leg, which honestly was a low level mystery at our house. It had been showing up on one of our dogs, Milo's faces, and we could not for the life of us figure out how. We couldn't figure out how. There was no Virginia stick seed in the fenced in area of our yard. And so I would walk around, you know, every time it happened, I'd be like, oh, Milo, like, how'd you get all these on your face? Because I'm walking around this yard. There's not one piece of Virginia stick seed. But just outside the fenced in area, there was a whole thicket, a whole thicket of it. And that is when I realized that Milo has been escaping our fence, sniffing around the rest of our property, and then coming back for help when he gets the Virginia stick seed stuck in his hair. So I, being a mom of Milo and really really not wanting to have to deal with him covered in Virginia stickseed again and again, did two things. I made a call to get our fence enlarged for our entire property to make sure that one he was safe cuz Century Avenue is a very very busy road and we live right by it, God forbid. God forbid anything were to happen. But also his call to go outside of the fence was very evident. And Virginia stickseed taught me that. I also started pulling up all of this Virginia stick seed. I was absolutely done with this plant. I was done with this plant. It had been stuck to my leg now. It had been stuck to Milo's leg now. We're done. <laughs> And as I'm pulling up all of this Virginia stick seed, it's getting stuck on my clothes. It's getting stuck on my hair. And I just had to finish, had to finish. I was like, okay, I just have to pull all this up. And then once I pull all this up, I'll deal with the problem. But I just know right now that this is what I have to do. And coming inside, my partner had just come home from work I'm covered head to toe in this stick seed. It looks like the entire plant is growing on me. And I'm really reevaluating <laughs> my relationship to this land, right? I just fought for this. I just said I was so passionate. I think at one point I even said I would like sue the city if they came and mowed down our yard. I'm covered in this stick seed, I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling like, oh God, why, you know, like, why am I covered in this? Why, what am I doing? I'm so out of my depth. And my partner looked at me and was like, I'm going to go for a run. That looks rough, but you got it. So I waddle upstairs. He leaves for his run. I'm in the bathroom dumping coconut oil on my hair. My skin is all scratched up from this Virginia stick seed. And I was feeling really insecure. It started with my hair, right? I just cut my hair. I had really, really long hair for a really long time. But a friend of mine had post-viral hair loss from COVID, I was also feeling insecure about her hair. She chopped it all off and didn't know if she loved it, so I chopped all my hair off. And I liked it. I liked the way it looked. And now my newly short haircut that I really liked was covered in this Virginia Stick Seed. I could not brush it out. The coconut oil was not loosening the seed from my hair. And a thought entered my mind, you might have to cut it. You might have to cut your hair to get this out. Would I still be pretty if I had even shorter hair? This is the shortest my hair has been ever. Did I really know what I was doing? to get all of this in my hair in the first place? All my degrees, all my knowledge of farming, all my passion had led me to this moment. Hair dripping with coconut oil, full of Virginia stick seed, skin scratched up. What was I doing? And it's really easy at moments like that to try to throw it all away. And I always know I'm at my lowest when I open Indeed. (laughs) And I really think, I'm just going to not do this anymore. I'm going to get a regular job. I don't have to follow this path. And that's absolutely true. I don't have to follow this path. But I realized... I was hating Virginia Stick Seed. And I was hating myself for getting into that situation. I was so upset that I hadn't realized Milo had been letting himself out of the gate. And for me, that felt like, oh my God, he's been risking his life and it's my fault. I didn't see it. Why did I get caught in all of this Virginia Stick Seed? I could have just left it. I could have just stopped. And then it wouldn't be in my hair right now. I even got to the point where I was like, I don't even have to be an herbalist because I make my own herbal hair shampoo and conditioner. I was like, I could just use conventional stuff, right? That might get it out faster. But the truth is that wouldn't have been an integrity for me. I was meant to meet the teacher of Virginia stickseed yesterday to remind me of why I started this journey. Virginia stickseed is not my enemy. Herbalism is not my enemy. This path is hard. But these plants and these animals have always been my teacher. And In that moment, I'm dripping coconut oil. I'm brushing the Virginia stick seed out of my hair. It's like a meditation. What am I doing? What do I need? Where will I go? Right now, my goal is to work and learn with this land. I felt so alive since I started doing it. And there's so much juiciness to come from Esperanza's Acres. And watching Milo trust enough to remove himself from our contained fence that we thought was keeping him safe. And then let himself back in and come back when he needed help. Mm-hmm. Is a reminder of being Animal. And the relationships that we can build with other species if we show them home and if we show them love. My hair is still saturated with coconut oil as I record this the next morning, Thursday morning. And I made an herbal preparation for my hair Um, one of my teachers is Ariel de Martinez she's really lovely, the queen of ditching shampoo and what's alive for me as I dump in clay basically mud to wash the coconut oil that I put in my hair because I was full of Virginia stick seed is that Things that are dirty can clean. Things that I thought before were dirty can heal. And the relationships that we build are what get us to that healing. Had I not built relationship with Milo, maybe he would leave our fence and never come back. Had I not built relationship with this land, I never would have had the experience with Virginia Stickseed. But I never would have known all these insecurities and faced them. Head on. I never would have been reminded again and again as to a higher purpose of my life. I never would have felt the call to return to land again and again and examine my relationship to land again and again and do better which is holy. So this podcast is late because of my animality because of my relation with Virginia Stickseed and city ordinance, and our dog, and my hair, and vanity, probably, because I was so concerned about my hair. And the journey has been wild. I'm so excited that so many of you are with me on it. And I'd like to take an opportunity to give the most gratitude in the world to our very first Patreon supporter, Sabrina Nelson, who is a beautiful herbalist doing such amazing intentions, especially with the womb space. You got to check out her apothecary Moonbeam Herbs. Drop her a line on Instagram. She's pretty responsive and also just an all around amazing person. And if you want to be super, super cool, like Sabrina, you can always support us on Patreon for just $10 a month. We'll give you another really, really cool shout out. And also let us know, what do you want to hear about me talk? What what do you want to hear me talk about? What do you want to hear us question, concern, live with, wrestle with every day? We want to know. We want to hear your thoughts, especially if you have comments or questions about how to transition land, how to build relationship with land. This might be a theme for us, right? If you want to know about animality, if you want to know about Jewishness or herbalness, herbalism, just let us know. Um, you can also visit S. Browns Acres to see some of the really, really cool stuff we're doing. You can find us on Instagram at S. Browns Acres or at our website, www.sbrownsacres.org. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Hopefully, we'll have something up for you next Wednesday, hopefully diving into our regularly scheduled content. But as we know, at Being Animal... We can't quite predict all the things that arise on a daily basis. So thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you next week.